What radio? The music you want. With your host, he's Dan. I think with your IQ, you're unarmed and still very dangerous. RadioWhat.com. Okay, let's do it. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, DG services? No, DJ services. Where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time. DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote, and maybe you could have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are you not entertained? Let me entertain you. Speaking of entertainment, today on the program, I have Patrick Lawrence. The Patrick Lawrence. Yeah, the style that is Patrick Lawrence. What? You know a little bit about Patrick Lawrence. But you're going to get to know a little bit more about Patrick Lawrence. So stick around for that. This week's shows, I will be at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Friday night, my regular Friday night gig. The people of the Rab. The full bar, kitchens open, pool tables. They got a pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to try to make some money at the fr- at the Rab, make playing pool, I encourage you to do so. Video dance party, karaoke jam. You're the stars of the show. All I'm doing is pressing buttons at the Rab. 8 p.m. until 12.30 in the AM. Friday night, Conway, Arkansas. The Rab, R-A-B. That's my one public show. Now, Fridays, that's my one public show. But every other night of the week, I'm doing something different. Like uh, Saturdays are usually events, private events. So if you have a wedding or corporate event or a birthday party, school prom, school dance, hey, give a call to yours truly djlittlerock.com hey uh that's enough intro let's get into it with patrick lawrence the patrick lawrence yeah (laughs) the the patrick lawrence style now i got him on skype so if you're listening to the audio version of this i encourage you to check out the video version on my youtube page you can find it you can find it put keys dan in the youtube and find that radio what logo sitting there yeah all right skyping Patrick Lawrence, now. Okay, you see it okay? Oh, perfection, perfection. I have the Patrick Lawrence, the Patrick Lawrence style sitting here right in front of me. Very exciting. You know, I kind of feel like I know you. You know those those times when you meet up with your fans and they go, hey, it's Patrick Lawrence. And you're like, do I know you? You wonder because I, I see you on my social media. I see you on my, my Facebook feed uh, and, and on my YouTube feed for that matter. And I see you playing music. And I get to know you that way. It's like watching somebody on the movies, somebody on stage, somebody on television. You start to think, huh, do I know that person? And then they'll, they'll treat you when they meet you for the first time like they've known you for a long time. Have you ever had that happen before, Patrick Lawrence? I think I have. 
I mean, when somebody's coming up asking for an autograph or or uh, wanting to talk to you about how your music touched them, and I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to. I need you to let the people know who is a Patrick Lawrence and what is the Patrick Lawrence style. Well, I'm from West Virginia. You know, uh, born and raised. Uh, I play bluegrass and outlaw country. I try to be unique. The Patrick Lawrence style is my unique, just my unique fashion. You know, I play, I try to write my songs to where they can be played country music. I write them in a way to where they can be played bluegrass. Kind of, if you wanted to combine them, making them sound like country, make them sound like bluegrass. If you want to switch them up a little bit, if you wanted to have two albums, one bluegrass, one country, you could do that. You know, you could have just two. If I wanted to, I could have two different albums with the same songs, just play two different ways, and I could, and they work. I think Shania so, did that uh, probably back in the '90s, where she had like a a red album and a blue album. One was the country version, and one was the pop version, and they were the same exact songs. But pretty much all you added was a little steel guitar, and that was what made it country. I mean, what is it to you that changes the feel from a country song? to a pop song uh, well for me if i don't know how in the world i could turn my blue my songs into pop music but uh they can definitely be transformed into bluegrass or country you know just that take out the drums put a banjo in there and uh <laughs> you know take out take out the electric guitar and put a uh put a acoustic guitar or a mandolin you know it's just the uh yeah well patrick I'm a city boy. I'm born and raised in Miami, you know, South Florida, the Florida Keys, uh, raised in the big city. But I did have my share of weddings where they did ask for some blue bluegrass music. Now I find myself here in Arkansas, central Arkansas, which is not that different from West by God, Virginia, which is the way I've always heard it because we're not Virginia. We're West by God, Virginia. That's the way I, I've always heard it growing up, and, and I still hear it from time to time. But uh, here in Arkansas, I, you know, whenever I'm doing a wedding and they don't pick out what kind of music they want for the cocktails, I'll throw on some bluegrass. You know, something, uh, you know, something that uh, bluegrass, I, li- I liken it to what reggae is to the island people, bluegrass is to the country folk. You could take almost any song that you hear on the radio any pop song any rock song and make it into a bluegrass song is have you ever delved into that i have not but i've seen several people uh i have seen several people who have um but yeah it works just got to change up the melody a little bit make it fast and It'll come together. <laughs> I mean, mo- uh, most uh, f- recently, I played some Hey C Dixie, and they do a lot of ACDC and rock, rock and roll songs in bluegrass form. But, uh, you know, I, I did peruse your, your uh, face, I mean, your Facebook and your YouTube page. And let me tell you, you got a fast style. Uh, you know, what? how long did it take to, to play a guitar that fast and sing along? And, and you can tell me, all right, my brother, all right, and I know that I know this about you. My brother was legally blind. Uh, uh, you know, when he was growing up, he was five years old, and uh, his teacher said, "Hey, if you need to get closer to the board, you can come closer. If you need to see, he went inches away from the board to see what was written on there. And then, you know, at five years old, we got him some. I mean, glasses that were." coke bottle glasses and he just figured out what a leaf was 
you know what a leaf uh, oh leaves are on a tree i didn't know that when you look at a tree it looks like a fuzzy cotton ball tell me about how playing music with you know uh, some kind of, of of adversity i mean is there a mixture of the two is there a reason from one to the other tell me about you patrick lawrence <laughs> Oh, well, go back to your first question there. I've always been one of those people who uh, I think black and white about things. You know, it's something's either perfect or it's not. And when I jump into something, I always have this competitive edge to be the best at it. And one of the things that I remember growing up learning guitar, they said, I'm trying to go too fast. And uh, so it's no, it doesn't surprise me that when I, I naturally want to play fast because I'm a, I'm a upbeat person anyway i'm usually uh my mind's always going a thousand miles an hour and i'm always talking real fast so it just kind of goes along with my personality and so i've always just strummed real fast and real hard because i've always and so i just kind of think that's why i really like bluegrass and why it's never been too hard to play fast now i and it's always kind of came natural to me to be able to sing and play guitar because even before i could play guitar i was singing so that was the whole point. I wanted to learn how to play guitar originally to make myself a better singer. And uh, it did help. When you, once you learn to play an instrument and you sing along with the chords, and you can tell if, you can tell if you're in tune with it. It does make you a better singer. And uh, so originally, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to play guitar to make myself a better singer. Well, Patrick and Lawrence, that, how, how young were you when you figured out that you could sing? And were you just singing for your family and uh, annoying them to no end? Or were you, uh, did they find that you had an aptitude for singing way back then? Uh, well, when I was 15 years old, I was listening to some just CDs that I had, country music, and I was just singing along with it. Somebody came up to me and said, wow, you really, you sounded almost, ex at that point I could, I sung like modern country, so I could lower my voice and get that twang, and people said I sound just like the people I was listening to. Like who? Like who, for example? Uh, I used to be able to sound just like Joe Nichols. Ooh, uh, Arkansas's own Joe Nichols. Yeah. And then I started, uh, over time, I just started singing higher. And then I tell you, because uh, people would hear, I got a naturally high voice anyway. So when I sung deep, people were like, how can he change his voice like that? Now I can't do it anymore. It's just kind of, it's almost impossible for me to really go that deep. Why? Because Is it something that, that was physically from, from training yourself to go high, why why would you not be able to to have that range anymore? What's happening? Well, I guess my thought is since I was still growing, I was started singing the higher higher octaves, you know, and the uh, going higher on the guitar. And I guess as over time as I was growing, it just kind of I just kind of stopped. And now it's pretty much I can sing bluegrass. I the way you, way you hear my voice is the way I can sing. I mean, I can put some grunt to my voice. Like, I don't know if you heard my song, Trucker Man Blues. I put some grunt in my voice there to make it more Southern rockish. However, that's, it's pretty much between that and how I sing. Cause if you hear me sing, it pretty much sounds the way I talk. And, uh, it's easier when you sing the way you talk, because when you are constantly changing your voice, it's that much, it's so much easier to mess up because you don't want people to hear your real voice. You want people to hear how you can change your voice. So if you sing a song that is not in your, that's a little bit harder and you're trying to change your voice and it makes it that much harder to sing it. But if you sing in your regular voice, you know, like I sing in my voice now, it just makes it, uh, makes it more enjoyable and I don't have to try so hard. So I guess over time as my, I just got older, you know, I just kind of, I started singing higher and that just kind of became, um, 
my normal singing voice. Well, I guess as a novelty for your friends and your family to try to sing like somebody else, like Joe Nichols or or maybe even, you know, Jamie Johnson or, or somebody somebody deep like that, uh, you know, that, that would be kind of a novelty. To, but what you want is to find your own voice. And it sounds like from 15 to now, I don't even know how old of a man you are, from 15 to now, you found your voice. You found the Patrick Lawrence style for that matter. How old are you now? I'm 29. 29. So from 50 been okay, when did you start well, you started singing previous to that? You always knew that you were uh, uh, wanting to sing, but when did you pick up that guitar and are you formally trained? Uh, tell me about tell me about a young Patrick Lawrence, you know, mom, dad, uh any siblings? Uh, tell me how how you were growing up in West by God, Virginia. Well, originally I played the drums. I had a, when I was a teenager, 13, 14 years old, I had a drum set. My cousin Greg got me a, got me a drum set and had somebody uh, come over and teach me how to play. They taught me like how to do one thing and I was just able to pick up everything after that. So yeah, originally a drum player. And uh, so drums came first, singing came second, then guitar playing came third, songwriting came fourth. Well, that's why you um, play play the guitar like you're like you're beating on a drum. I mean, just really hard. You don't need an accompaniment if you're if you have that style that you're in. I'm guessing, you know, the nice thing about playing an acoustic guitar is you could pick that thing up, head over to your local club or even a, a street corner if you wanted to do the busking thing. I don't know if you've done that. Maybe you can can uh, speak on that. But uh, you know, go to your local club. Very little uh, amplification needed. If you're sitting in the on, on the corner of a restaurant providing some entertainment for them, it's pretty much all in that in that package. Tell me, tell me about uh, you know you growing up. Did you ever do anything uh, professionally with the drums, or was that uh, band you know band in school or something? I found the band in school. That's how I kind of got into the drums. Yeah, never did. Uh, I'm not much of a drum player now. I can <laughs> I can still make the beats and everything like that, but. Uh, just to be able to sustain it, you know, and be like a, be a metronome myself. It just, I just don't have that, uh, that in me anymore. Cause my main instrument's a guitar. I'm learning other instruments, but drums are, I'm not a drum player anymore. To, you know, all my practice and energy has went into the guitar. Yeah. I've been to the local, uh, local, uh, music shop and tried to play drums myself. And yeah, you could do the, the normal one, two, three, you know, four and four, but then putting, having your feet, uh, in, you know, per, uh, working independently while your arms are working independently. I don't have that coordination, but I do have the rhythm. And I guess that the drums gave you that rhythm. You have an internal metronome because you have to provide that that beat for yourself. Even if you're playing, you know, a, a solo guitarist has to have that internal metronome. So would you say that the drumming helped you uh, sustain your, your rhythm, helped you build that up? It did. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, um, it's really hard to play guitar if you don't have rhythm. If somebody just doesn't have rhythm and they can't dance and they can't tap their foot in a steady rhythm, you know, guitar is going to be really hard because you have to be able to keep a steady rhythm. Fantastic. So you're playing – you're playing – Oh, say again. If you're going real fast on the guitar, it's very easy to go out of beat. So you have to be able to really keep it going. Yeah, and it's pretty know? easy to get that uh, guitar out of uh, out of tune as well. If you're strumming like crazy, you're going to be knocking strings out of tune. Do you find that that it does knock itself out of tune from time to time? If you're uh, you know so maybe one or two or three songs, or or do you have a really good guitar with good strings? 
I have to uh, I have to do some tune-ups. The uh, it really helps having a good guitar with uh, good tuning pegs on it, you know, and uh, strings because you know it's we have a cheap guitar that you know the gears are not as good as like you would like on a uh, higher end guitar. It will go out of tune more, so you got to have a good guitar if you're going to play fast. And it's important not to have a pick that's too thick because if you have a pick that's thick, it'll stretch the heck out of those strings. So a nice medium thin pick, you know, makes playing real fast easier because it doesn't, you know, put too much strain on the strings. Well, just like any other business, this is a music business and you have to uh, invest in your craft. Uh, so uh, brag, brag on the gear that you got. Well, what is a good guitar to Patrick Lawrence? Well, all my guitars, I wouldn't say any of my guitars are great, but I got decent guitars. Like I have a an Ibanez hollow body that um, and then I have a uh, Fender Telacoustic and uh, I've had it, you know, professionally set up so it doesn't go out of tune easy because that's the thing you can do if you got guitars that aren't high end you can uh you can go to your music, local music shop and they can change some things out on it just to make it stay in tune better you know set it up so it works like a higher end guitar you know it'll get the tuning pegs changed or the uh a better bridge on it better guitar strings and that's kind of and i did that originally when i first bought it i i got them to do a professional setup and this made it to where it would uh, it would be more sustainable. I actually you know, have a guy here in town in Conway at Palmer Music, Ryan Hinman. He he was one of the first ones that was on this iteration of the What Makes You Famous podcast, and and he uh, works in the back. You hardly ever see him out front, and he's got a stack of guitars that he's working on, and he's taken a, a guitar t- or, or two of of mine uh, and. And re- not only restrung them, but also put new pegs and and uh, cleaned them up and and get all the gunk off of them and really uh, make them shine like new and even better than new because yeah you're right you can upgrade a cheap guitar I think I had a I, well I know I had a Squire Strat which is like a hundred dollar guitar and then an Ibanez 120 which is another you know hundred hundred fifty dollar guitar and, and but. Uh, you know, you made them sound like they were, uh, you know, three, four hundred dollar guitars, which sounds that much better. But uh, w- what kind of guitar are you are you playing now? Well, right now I've been playing my um, Ibanez hollow body a lot. That's my more expensive guitar. Um, I probably paid about about six hundred dollars for it new. Whoa. And uh, I recently got it fixed up a little bit to where it works better. Because when I first got, even though it was an expensive guitar, it was just uh, there's there was a the tuning pegs and things just weren't, I was, were not, didn't meet my expectations. I'm like, I'm going to pay six, seven, six, seven hundred dollars for a guitar. You know, why doesn't it have great tuning pegs? And it didn't have great tuning pegs. I, you know, and I sent it out and got it, got it repaired. And it's definitely a lot better now than it was, but um, I love the guitar. You know, it's that red collar and I actually have a guitar that nobody ever sees me play. Oh, it's a, um, it's a recording King guitar. It's an actual you know, a dreadnought acoustic guitar. I don't play it a whole lot because I, I consider it a lot of guitars I play at home are more of my smaller guitars, easier to, you know, move around. And that's a bigger guitar. And I just don't um, like to bump it around a whole lot. My Fender acoustic guitar, my Fender, um, what do you want to call it? It's, um, it's black and it's, and it's real thin. 
and it's a, I always use it as my travel guitar because it's easy to move around. It's small. It's lightweight. Yeah, because I, I, if, if people are just listening to the audio version of this, they could check out the video version. You even have a guitar hanging up uh, behind you in your room there. But um, I'm looking at the uh, at the video of you with your Storm song. That guitar is a pretty big red guitar, and it's, it's striking. It's something that, that you uh, would take on stage, and it could become you know, your signature guitar. I know a lot of artists when they become, you know, on a different level, you're on, you know, maybe this level and they go to another level. People start to ask them, Hey, would you, uh, consider making a signature guitar, something that you would want to, uh, to, um, support and identify with? Well, you have that Ibanez. And like you said, you had to upgrade it a bit. So maybe your signature guitar would be that Ibanez, if they want to sponsor you, and uh, I'm putting that out to the universe, Ibanez, uh, sponsor Patrick Lawrence. He needs some new guitars, some new gear, and throw him a couple bucks. Why don't you? Okay. Anyway, so if Patrick Lawrence was sponsored by Ibanez, you would take that hollow body maybe, add the good pegs, put the better strings, maybe uh, you know uh, tune it a certain way. And that could be your signature signature guitar. Is that something you aspire to? Yeah, uh, that's my favorite guitar. A hollow body in particular is my favorite guitar. I love the sound. I wouldn't if if you're if you have a bluegrass band, you wouldn't want to play a hollow body as your acoustic guitar because it really doesn't sound good, Mike. You know, it sounds good electric. But if I'm like my overall goal was, I don't want my music to be strictly bluegrass or strictly country. I kind of want to have. I kind of want to intertwined it to like Dwight Yoakam did Dwight Yoakam is my uh I imitate I when I was a kid I always tried to imitate him because I love Dwight Yoakam that's kind of imitate him is kind of how I got my style a little bit um uh, and I always kind of kind of wanted to do what he did was mix a bunch of styles together on one album you know you could have Bakersfield that Bakersfield sound you know and have a little bluegrass in there or polka because he had that at uh, the streets of Bakersfield which literally sounded like a polka song but it was a country song, you know, and it was like nobody else has done that before. Or you can have Hold On To God, which is a bluegrass song. Or you can have Honky Tonk Man or Guitars and Cadillacs, which had that Honky Tonk Bakersfield sound. You know, you just there's as long as you're the one singing it and it's all kind of and it's mixed and mastered by the same person. Everything is all everything's kind of at the same volumes. You know, it, it can all go on one album. Well, so, now, yeah, now I'm catching your style, Patrick Lawrence. I'm catching your flavor. If you're going to emulate somebody, emulate Dwight Yoakam. There's a guy that does not limit himself to one style of music. In fact, he'll take and cover a rock and roll song in bluegrass or hillbilly style and give it that flavor. And that's what what you could do with your Patrick Lawrence style is. Uh, oh, that's a great song. Let me give it the Patrick Lawrence style. That'll be your uh, your branding. You kind of like uh, take that hot iron that says Pat- Patrick Lawrence style on it and tss, just put the sizzle on it and, and you start playing it the way you play it. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the videos of you playing your bluegrass gospel even. You have a voice that's really tuned to being a gospel singer. Did you ever sing in church at a choir or anything like that in West Virginia? Uh, there was a while where I was trying to get a, um, a music ministry together. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I have sang in church a few times, but I was never much, I was never really in a lot of choirs. I have a high voice. So bluegrass gospel, you know, just kind of always came natural to me. You know, like if you ever listen to Doyle Lawson or Quicksilver, you know, he, Doyle Lawson always has higher singers, people with higher voices singing, 
because it just sounds better with gospel. And it's easier to harmonize with, too, because you got people who don't have to sing as high pitch. You know, they can sing a little bit lower and it sounds it sounds nice. And you can go higher up on the guitar, which makes it which makes it fun to play the banjo with. You yeah. know, uh, the uh, the novelty of having a, a higher voice for a male singer is, uh, you know, because I, I think, well, of course, the, the best for men. Sorry, ladies. You know, they have more lung capacity. They can push it out a little bit further. They, they, there are some great lady tenor singers. I'm not going to say there, there aren't. But the, even the, the three tenors were those guys that had that those big lung capacities and can make them really sing out. But what would you say your your voice is, your uh, octave is? Uh, I really don't know. I don't. I don't know. You know a lot of the music terms like that. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm not deep. I think I'm like whatever comes above tenor. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what have you? Um, what uh, I mean, have you been classically trained? Have you been? Did you go to school for uh, for guitar learning, or are you all self taught, or even the drums? I guess the drums you you did learn some uh, music, how to read music, and tell me how how you the eyesight if that affects how you uh, read music, or if you're able to you know you, you did have to get a little close uh, earlier uh, before we were setting this thing up. Tell me about uh, how the eyesight affects you on stage and how you've worked through that well one good thing about music is you don't have to see especially when you play an instrument you know because i can still see some um when i'm practicing sometimes i want to see where my fingers are going i'm like holding the neck really up to my face (laughs) to be able to see it so so because i got don't got the when when you practice you get that muscle memory built up so you don't have to look um i i can't read actual music you know i can do tabs or uh sheet music but actually since I'm not a piano player, you know, I don't think most guitar players can actually sit there and read all those fancy music symbols. <laughs> if I could, I would have to have like it right in front of my face and nobody would be able to see me. They'd be only be able to see the paper. Yeah. <laughs> now, right. when you're writing music, uh, do you have somebody that helps you to write it? Or, or is there an app available when you play into an app or something? With a pen or if, if I'm writing my songs, a lot of times now I used to write it in a notebook, but now I use like a, uh, I use this app on my phone where I speak into it and then it types it. And then I just kind of go up my phone, magnify real big and edit it the way I need it to and fix the wording. And then I just kind of save it there and then it syncs to any new phone that I got. So I have all the songs that I wrote, a whole list of it. And since you know how a lot of people, they have a, uh, they have their music, they have their lyrics right in front of them in case they forget them. Well, the thing of me is I can't see the paper in front of me. Cause I can't see very far. So I have to do everything by memory. I can't, you know, if I forget, a, I can't have a piece of paper. I can't have a cheat sheet. If I forget the lyric, I have to sit there and memorize it. So every, all of my songs I have to memorize. So there's that old joke. If you're, uh, if you have to have your lyrics in front of you while you're performing, you're not ready to perform, you know, That's I got you. You shouldn't, if you're going to have a song, if you're going to write a song, at least memorize it, you know, no, that and, and that's got to help your brain, man. They, that's going to help you in the long run uh, to keep your brain uh, in order, in good working order, to memorize all those lyrics. Uh, you know, I'm guessing you're writing song after song after song. I don't know how many you've written. I don't know how many you've recorded, and I don't know how many are available on uh, Spotify or Apple to buy. Uh, tell tell me about that. How many songs have you written, and how many how many's out there? I've probably wrote, I've heard hundreds of songs, <clears throat> but just like a lot of songwriters, you write a lot of songs you just think are duds and you just don't, because after every, 
after every 10 songs, you may got one or two that's you think are keepers. And I have this joke. I have this pile of songs that I don't sing anymore. My box of unfinished songs. <laughs> but every time I go back and pick up those songs and I re when I'm the more, the more I progress with my songwriting, I rewrite them and make them better. Like a lot of the songs I sing now are actually songs that were a long time ago, but since I became a better songwriter, I rewrite them. And my best songs are the ones I've rewrote over the years. Like the Storm song, or, you know, that was a song I wrote 10 years ago. And maybe about five years, five years ago, I, I changed some words. And three years ago, I changed some words. And then, you know, in 2017, I finally thought, you know what, this song's finished. I don't have to do no more. Well, Leonard, Leonard Cohen, when he was writing Hallelujah, I think he once said in an interview there were 52 verses to that song because over the years he kept writing and writing and writing and changing. What changed in that five years or 10 years from when you started writing the Storm song? I mean, what what was refined? What Was it just different experiences, stuff that you grew and you said, oh, you know, that doesn't sound so good. What was it that didn't sound so good? And what did you replace it with? Well, when I, t- when I tell people like what was wrong with it, it was mainly the words. It's like, it didn't sound as good. Like when I hear a song, I want it to sound more sophisticated, like professional. It took a lot of thought and a lot of work to make it. Back then when I wrote it, it, um, it just didn't sound like great. It's, it was good, but it didn't, it wasn't great. The, the words, the wordplay, the sentences, you know, they just, uh, they needed some work. Well, Patrick, you know, like, like, like songwriters, I'm guessing, uh, do you read a lot of dictionaries or thesauruses? Where do you, where do you find the words? Cause I, I know people when they're, when they're wanting to write a book, they'll read a book about how to write a book. And if you want to write a song, you'll probably have many, many different references. Uh, but do you, do you read uh, thesauruses and, and, and kind of memorize those things? Because you, you sound like you have a good memory, at least for, for memorizing your lyrics. Uh, but, if, you know, are you a wordsmith as well, where you find a word and you go, huh, that's a better word for this? A lot of the times I, uh, I'll just sit there on my, on my guitar and just kind of name up. If I'm trying to find a rhyming word, I'll either go and if I can't think of anything, I'll just go and Google and say words that rhyme with this. <laughs> you know, or... I try to just uh, listen to a bunch of other songs and just try to see something similar. You know, uh. <laughs> I think they did that back in the late nineties when, uh, when the boy bands were out there, if I had hearts and a part rhymed, I think every song written, you know, in every pop song written at that time said, you're tearing my heart up and you're tearing up my heart. Cause we're apart. And it was it, it, some iteration of that. There was the, the, and I was like, it's like, it was like a drinking game if you heard a song that said that. And country songs seem to be getting formulaic now, too. You have to mention a girl and a truck and a, uh, and, and, you know, like uh, like uh, like David Allen Coe's song. Oh, it didn't mention mamas or trains or trucks or going to prison, right? And that's the way a country song needs to be written. But do you, do you even subscribe to that or do you have your, your inspiration from other places? I try, I try a lot to, uh, I'm kind of weird because I told you, I think black and whitely about things. When I listen to a song, if I think my song is too similar to that, it bugs me and I have to change it. It has to be different from another song because I don't want people to listen to my song and says, you know, that sounds an awful lot like the song this person wrote. Well, I don't want that. You know, I know, you know, sometimes you have a melody that's similar to somebody else's. There's only so many melodies in the world. Right. 
But if you've got sentences that are somebody's using the same sentence and it just kind of, I don't, I don't want it to sound like it's a ripoff. You know, I kind of want it to be my own thing. So I try not to, uh, I listen to songs to get an idea, but I never want to make a song that sounds too similar to another song. Like my storm song was actually, uh, originally I got the idea from, uh, Porter Wagner's big winds are coming. Now, if you listen to those two songs, they sound nothing alike. The story, the story is different, but you can see some similarities there. But most of the time when somebody has been through a tornado, they've all kind of had similar experiences, you know? So have you been through a tornado? I have not. <laughs> I've, never, I've never been. I've never been through one. I've never seen one. So I've, uh, you know, it was just uh, I'm a good storyteller. So, well, being from South Florida, we've had, a, uh, you know, I had a lot of my share of hurricanes. Uh, Hurricane Andrew was uh, kind of went pretty close to to where I was. And and I I've, uh, over the water, they, they're called water spouts. And I've had to drive my boat away from water spouts it just it's it's a it's a scary thing but uh, nature is pretty pretty awesome and i'm glad that you have the ability to to see nature and then to write it down and get inspired by nature and make it into a song that's fantastic that's something that's a superpower that you have patrick lawrence a superpower now we kind of glossed over it tell me about your, your family did, did was there anybody in the family that was musically inclined well, mom or dad or, or sisters, brothers? Well, my mother and father were never that much into music. My grandfather could sing, and he liked to listen to a lot of country music. I guess I've had some uh, relatives, you know, uh, great-grandparents, you know, that were uh, related to music. I have some cousins, you know, who are my cousin Greg. He's a great songwriter, and he's gave me a lot of, you know, uh, guitar lessons over the years, and it's really got me, uh, really helped me, uh, you know, get my feet on the ground when I was younger. Uh, but uh, really, really close family, you know, probably my stepdad. He's he's an Elvis impersonator, and he uh, he loves Buck Owens. I like Buck Owens, and he, he writes and plays guitar and things. So, you know, and he's gave me a lot of help over the years. So I've had some, between my cousin Greg and my stepdad, you know, they've really been my two. When I was playing guitar, you know, they were my, role models with that because they're the ones I was who were teaching me the most. And I grew up uh, when I was in high school, I didn't live at home. I lived at, I lived in a dormitory. You know, we had a uh, school for the deaf and blind in Robney, West Virginia, where I went to school and we, a music teacher I had there, uh, he taught me a lot on the guitar and that's kind of where I found my style because I'd always perform for everybody. And I worked at a classic country radio station as a, for a class in high school. And that's where I listened to a lot of those songs that I, uh, that's how I got into the older styles before that there, I was listening to modern music. I was even listening to rap Yeah, and people, me and knowing me are like, there's no way that boy used to listen to rap. <laughs> you never know, man. Music is music. I, I know as a DJ, I, I play all kinds of music for all kinds of people at all different kinds of events. And, and you don't limit yourself. You, the, it, Music is music. And, and pretty much everything came from, you know, the classics. You know, there's a reason it's been hanging around for hundreds and hundreds of years because those notes, those melodies, they last forever and ever. I'm sure you could take a Beethoven song or a Wagner song or a Bach song and make it into a bluegrass song. Just getting those rhythms, those songs that, you know, all the different notes and you can 
turn it into a bluegrass song. Put that Patrick Lawrence style on him. Uh, you know, did you listen to uh, uh, any ca- classical music as well? I'm guessing, you know, going through music classes, you get through the theory and stuff. I never had the pleasure of going through a music class. So I, I don't know how much of the theory and how, how far back they went teaching you music. I didn't listen to a whole lot of classical music like that. However, I did always like big band jazz and, uh, you know, I've listened to a big variety of musics, but never too much into Beethoven and things like that. But I do remember, you know, learning about him in school. But Well, who's your never. rappers? Who's your go-to rappers? Uh, mine's Heavy D. He's my favorite rapper of all time. Uh, I always liked, uh, when I was a kid, I always listened to a lot of Eminem. Um, I don't As listen to him would. anymore, you know. <laughs> I now make fun of rap music. I write, I a lot of people don't know this too, but I write a lot of, uh, I call them dumb rap songs. Yeah. Just for fun. You know, because I like to, I may ha- I may come out with one one time. It's hilarious. It's just, uh, it's like me as a white boy with my, with my accent, you know, and rapping, you know, to, uh, making fun of rap music. Like I got a girl and a hoe and a home dog. I got my hoe in the garden and my dog in the backyard. You know, it's like here in my room, that's one of the ones I've been working on. It's, uh, it's funny. Uh, but since I don't listen to it, you know, I always try to make fun of it. I don't, you know, people are allowed to listen to it, but you know, it's like now it's like the way I used to be as a kid compared to how I am now, I look back and I just laugh because it's like, how could little old country me walk around with my hat to the side and have my pants sagging? You know, it's like, well, I mean, that's like this boy. Yeah, that's a whole nother story is that the pants on the ground. No, I, I can't handle that style. No, I get it. But but what you just said, the lyrics that you just laid out, I could fully see that as a, a bluegrass song. You could be the Ray Stevens of bluegrass where you'll make these uh, novelty songs. And who knows, man, maybe that'll be your your uh, itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, uh, yellow, you know, or or uh, Mississippi squirrel or whatever song, you know, that 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 could be the the breakout song is uh you making a novelty of rap because the the limits there are no limits on music anymore there's no the genres are all mixing together Uh, the the country with the rap i mean the greatest country song of all time right now is the uh the uh, the one by little nas x you know uh the old town road come on that's the country song that everybody wants to hear. Yeah, J- growing up, we'd always call it crap music, country rap crap. You know, <laughs> I can see that. I can see that, man. That just makes a whole lot of sense. But yeah, don't limit yourself. And I see you trying to make fun of yourself for listening to rap. No, don't. You know, I, I listen to rap. I I always I try to listen to the rap before 1990 because since 1990, it's been getting crazier and crazier and crazier. My goodness, you got to put that label uh, for the kids, uh, uh, explicit lyrics. You got to make it bigger and bigger every year because sometimes all it is is just you know foul i'm like you got to be smarter than that you know even you know tupac and biggie they were storytellers yeah they cursed a little bit but they were storytellers you know but previous to that it used to be uh, i'm the best from the east to the west uh i got the biggest mouth from the north to the south and then it just progressively got worse from there. <laughs> but uh yeah don't don't limit yourself man keep keep listening well, to your rap music one good thing about outlaw country music too is it doesn't have no limits. You know, when you sing outlaw country, you know, it's just, that could be anything from blues to Southern rock to uh, bluegrass to even Western swing. 
You know, it's like that's what makes outlaw country great because it's not it doesn't follow that Nashville style. You know, it could follows it can be anything anybody really wants it to be. That's what makes outlaw. You know, it doesn't follow the rules. Well, example of the biggest outlaws, because I, I, I'm thinking when you, you say outlaw, I think of Wayland and Willie and, uh, you know, those kind of folks, the, the old time. Uh, but what what is outlaw country now? Dwight Yoakam was outlaw. Buck Owens was outlaw. You know, Buck Owens, he was one of the original outlaws because he was in California singing. He wasn't in Nashville. And I don't, he didn't originally play at the Grand Ole Opry, you know, Dwight Yoakam either, you know. Uh, and uh, now I don't know who would be outlaw considered outlaw country now. Uh, but I know Outlaw Country is making a comeback because people are getting sick of the same old hearing the songs that country music's all starting to sound the same. It's becoming electronic. It's not country music anymore. It's becoming more, I don't know what you want to call it. Like you were saying, you got like Little Naz and they're calling him a country singer. I was like, yeah. what the heck is going on here? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like rockabilly. I think I, I, I mean, I do like that that uh, portion of the genre, the, the rockabilly, where it's, it, it kind of, the new country is the rock and roll of the 50s. You know, if you would have turned on a, a radio uh, in the 1950s, you would have heard the country of today. That's the pop. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's all, it's very formulaic. It sounds like a record producer got his hand in there and uh, and said, oh, yeah, you got to mention a girl in a country song, in a, uh, in a truck, with a beer. And, uh, you know, it, it's all, it's a formula. And and I, I've seen YouTube videos where they'll take 20 different country songs, mix them all together, and you'd think it was just one song, the way it was mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that you don't limit yourself. You you get your inspiration, uh, be it black and white or whatever. You know, you, you, you get your inspiration. Now, do you collaborate with other people? I know you said uh, Greg gives you a lot of ideas, but I, I noticed there's other people in your uh, in your house there. I saw somebody back there in a cool uh, 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 gaming chair. There's a there, I'm, I'm kind of a gamer myself. I play I play a lot of Fortnite, but uh, I saw somebody in the background there with a gaming chair. Now, when you write a song, do you run it by your family or or whoever it is that's there, there in the house with you? Uh, yeah, my fiance, Sarah. You know, when the, the problem living with a guitar player is you have to hear him play guitar all the time, you know, so she's always hearing my uh, hearing me sing. And I'm pretty sure she gets sick of my song before I'm even done with it. Because you know, when you're writing a song, you're doing the same, you're just repeating it over and over again, singing it different ways, probably sound like a dying cow because you're just trying to practice and get your voice right. So, you know, it it, it, it sounds like what you want it to. And so... She'll just be sitting there playing a video game and I'm sitting there with my guitar in the same room just saying the same thing, playing the same thing. And and I, sometimes she'll just look up at me with this look and, she, and in her mind she's probably like, are you done yet? <laughs> you know, are well, you? I'm sure Sarah is going to keep you grounded. It's nice to have somebody at home, you know, as, as out on the town and they tell me, oh, you're the greatest. My goodness, I love that song. I love the way you played. Oh, you're the best, Patrick Lawrence. You're the best. And then you come home, uh, take out the trash. <laughs> Wash the dishes. <laughs> they kind of ground you when you come home. Now, tell, tell me about the, the touring that you've done or, or have you, you know, all the playing that you've, that you've done. What are you open to, Patrick Lawrence? Do you want to play out at clubs do you aspire to play all over the world or do you want to be a studio musician and uh you know make records what is it that you want to be i want to uh really i want to do my music for a living i want to tour around the world 
uh, hopefully, you know, um, I'm start. I'm kind of starting out right now. You know, being a visually uh, being visually impaired and being in the music industry and this day of age, it has its challenges. Unless you really have a full band that is loyal to you, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, really get around. Uh, right now, I'm in the since I'm kind of new at all this, I'm building my social media presence. You know, uh, TikTok, uh, YouTube has been a little bit hard, but Instagram, my Instagram has been building very quickly. Uh, TikTok has been building very quickly. My Facebook's really taken off and hopefully eventually my YouTube, um, once I get the right, uh, videos and stuff on there and edit my videos better, that'll take off. Um, and hopefully, you know, once I start getting more known and people, uh, want to join me, eventually I'll be able to, uh, take the Patrick Lawrence style around the world and just not you know on social media because you know it's kind of people saying aren't you signed to a record company yeah i am then why aren't you performing i'm like because i don't got a band and you know you go to somebody says yeah i'm in a record company just me and my guitar or probably people will be like that's weird he's, he's signed to a record company but it's just him and his guitar you know they, they start to they, they'll start to doubt things they're not taking so seriously because you know one thing I think it happened is, like I said, I've always, I've always been one of those people I tried to run before I can walk. That's kind of what got me really into bluegrass because I was always so quick. You know, it's maybe I got into things a little too quickly before I could really could. But, you know, it's the uh, it, it gets my motivation going and gets me excited and makes me write some of my best songs. So even if I did get into things too quickly, I'm fine with it because I'm building up connections, meeting people, you know, and even if things take forever to take off, that's fine. I'm 29 years old. You know, I got another 70 years left on this earth. We'll see what happens in that time. You well, know, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about your, your record company and the people that are helping to promote you. Nashville and uh, 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 Nashville Records. What, what, I know that they're at Nashville Entertainment Weekly. They have so many different. Pay, what, what would they what, what is the name of your record company? Uh, I'm I'm represented by Nashville Entertainment Weekly Records. That's it. TJ. It's Jill. Yeah. You know, they great uh i don't really see i don't really see myself leaving that company because well they've I, been patient. I, I feel like they've really understood my struggle you know they've been patient with it and understanding so it's been uh been a really good experience i couldn't couldn't you couldn't ask for uh because there are people out there who could sign you to you know a, a record deal you know and then they'd be like you you need to you need to get out there right now or we're gonna we're going to uh take this contract away from you you know there there's ones that could really be strict if you like that you know? but i feel like they've uh, you know they've really been over backwards you know to uh to help me out and be understanding and i couldn't you know well, let me tell you over the last couple of years i've known jill santabanez and and tj cates over at nashville entertainment weekly and they have really been a very fine upstanding people you know what's funny is yesterday i had a podcast with john heinrich and you know who john heinrich is he's the steel guitar player for ronnie Millsap. talking about visually impaired now today I was supposed to have somebody else from the uh, Nashville Entertainment Weekly, and thankfully, you came in at the last minute. Thank you so much, Patrick Lawrence style. But it turns out it, it's becoming a theme this week. I have somebody who was, you know, completely blind. Uh, you know, not that I was talking to Ronnie Millsap, but I was talking to his uh, steel guitar player yesterday. And then here, I have somebody who's been uh, battling visual impairment. But tell me, tell me about the school that you were at what what is it they taught you to help you live your life is there a way do you wear glasses or 
or my brother, when he was, uh, I guess, in his late 30s, he went and got that LASIK surgery. Now he sees like 2010. Is that a, a possibility for you? It is not. I've unfortunately, you can tell by my white hair and you can probably tell by my Instagram that I, I have albinism. Okay. Yeah. Most people don't know don't know that because they think because I got blue eyes, I can't possibly be albino. And well, most albino people don't have pink eyes. You know, that's a very, that's a more rare type of albinism because there's three main types, you know, and I got, I got one of those types, you know, I, I call them the blue eyed albinos. Um, that's, uh, causes a, uh, typically if you have albinism, your eyes move back and forth constantly. That's called the stagmus that pre- prevents any kind of uh, laser surgery. That's in the nerve. As far as I'm aware, there's no cure for that. Um, I have glaucoma and that's caused a lot of my vision loss over the years. So glasses, they help make things a little bit more clear, but not to the point where it's worth wearing them, you know, cause it's more, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter how much magnification I have, I still have to put my face right in front of it, be able to see it, you know? So it just doesn't really, uh, this doesn't really do no good. Um, I have had surgery. Um, if you see, you got a little, got a little kitty cat here coming to visit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meow, meow. Yeah. Uh, I have a surgery. Uh, I'm going to Pittsburgh to be evaluated for a surgery. I had a surgery in July. It didn't take. So they have to redo it. And hopefully it works this time because uh, I can't see out of my right eye anymore. It's just completely, everything's just blurry. Wow. So, you, uh, man, it's amazing that you can work through that. You, 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 uh, you, you make it work. I mean, whether you got to be inches away from something to see it, you make it work. I don't know how you can play music. You can, you know, get through the world. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine, but you're doing it, man. You're, 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 uh, you're, you're excelling at things and uh, i appreciate that but you know every every great bond villain that i can remember was an albino i i, I think uh tj cates and jill santabanez they also make movies so i could see patrick lawrence in a in a movie as maybe the head henchman or something <laughs> you ever consider acting yeah i'm uh, i'm fairly good at acting you know it's what? uh um I guess when you're into music and stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff just uh, kind of runs together because a lot of actors are musicians and same thing. Even Dwight Yoakam had movies, you know, and he, and he made a very good grouchy person, you know, <laughs> Yeah, ho- hopefully you, you don't go to the way of uh, Elvis where they make him. Uh, they made him sing all his lyrics. Oh, we got to win, win this race. <laughs> Elvis wants some lemonade, lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> No, you don't want to you want to be able to act you know it's a it's a vehicle for patrick lawrence to get him to the next level well all right i hope that that uh you've had as much fun as i have patrick lawrence man just getting to know you and and getting to know more about you the the man behind the music i know that you've done other interviews where you play songs and i encourage people to go over to your youtube and check out you playing music but uh you know it, it you want to go all over the world. That that's hard on a relationship. What does Sarah think about that? Uh, she she tries not to think about it because you know we we we're homeowners. We have we have three cats. You know, it's like uh, she'd be like, "But well, I don't really want to go with you." I'm like, "Well, then who's going to watch the cats?" I mean, like uh, we could take them with us. I'm like, "Yeah, that's going to be hard to do." So it's like. We love our cats like our children, you know, so we wouldn't get rid of them for anything, even for that, you know, because I couldn't 
guy couldn't stomach that. And uh, so it's like he pretty much have to be here. And hopefully someday I'll get that opportunity. You know, if my music really uh, gets takes off and I get uh, I start to get popular and people start to like my music a little, you know, people start to hear my music and like it. They realize that I'm unique and different. So uh, and I'll get some high end, you know, good musicians to want to join me. Because that's one thing about being a part of the music industry, you know, is you just can't take any musician. You know, you got to have people, you got to have quality people who can play very well because, you know, a musician, a bad musician can break a band. You know, it's like it's you can't have a bad banjo player because banjo is a very hard instrument to play and it has a specific sound. And one one little wrong move with a finger can just throw everybody off because it has to keep that steady rhythm. You know, you can tell when somebody messes up on the banjo, you know, or uh, even guitar. Like I play fast guitar, so got to have people who can really keep up. I mean, you, you just struck the chord right there. I, when I said, uh, you know, when people that say, oh, I, I want to be a famous musician, tour all over the world. You got to give up a family. You know, sometimes it's hard on a family. But uh, you're talking about banjo players. All I can think about is Steve Martin. He doesn't even do comedy anymore. He plays banjo. I, I love to hear him play, man. Have you? Have you heard him play? I think I have. I think I know who you're talking about. I completely forgot about him, though. Yeah, he's a comedian from way back in the 70s. I remember I had an eight-track tape. Yeah, that's how old I am. I had an eight-track tape of Steve Martin's wild and crazy guy uh, comedy routine, and he had a, a song called King Tut in there, but it was it was mostly a comedy record. And then now, oh, after, I don't know, just 30, 40 years, he's playing banjo. And what a, a you know, and, and not doing comedy at all, which shows you don't have to be just one thing. Patrick Lawrence going to play guitar, going to play. Maybe you'll play drums again. You're going to be an actor. You're going to be a song. You know, you're a songwriter. You're not just one thing and a family man, for that matter. And a cat lover. <laughs> I love it. You know, you, you're, you're not just one thing, man. I, I've appreciated chit chatting with you. Any other avenues you want to explore? Anything else you want to tell the people? Any shout outs you want to give of the people that have helped you along the way? Well, again, I want to thank, you know, TJ and Jill. They've been awesome. I couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't ask for two patient, you know, better people to really uh, help me out. Uh and of course, you know, the, the old label, you know, I was on before then country red records. They really helped get me my start. You know, Nisi, she was, she was great. And Donnie Hammond, I still talk to him and he helps me get, um, with singles that I put out, you know, so and he's been wonderful in his, the after dark studio. I highly recommend them. You know, they are, they're awesome. And he's, um, he's a genius in his field really. And, you know, he, he, he needs more recommend, uh, you know, he, he oh, crap. My, messing up on my words here he needs more recognition than what he gets so uh, but really this whole experience has been great you know I kind of feel like myself I believe in God and I kind of feel like you know God has really been bringing the right people my way, you know, because. Well, there's the so. biggest shout out you had to give, I guess. If you have if you're a man of faith, you give that big shout out. Right. Yeah. And also I appreciate you. You're always uh, resharing my stuff on uh, Instagram. I'm always seeing that radio. What? You know, uh as uh shared your uh your song you know so i appreciate that well that's my lot in life is to help other people man once you get you know old like me and you've uh you've gotten to a hey look this is all i'm doing in life is is talking into microphones since 86 i've been uh on on radio or or what have you (laughs) and uh even before that that was the the high school dj 
but it's always promoting other people, talking to other people. Mostly when you're on the radio and you've been on the radio, you'll have musicians uh, to come in and they'll do a 15 minute interview and they'll talk about the show that they're doing that night. And usually that's all you get is that little 15 minute thing. But uh, I get to talk to you for an hour and I appreciate that so much. My voice is giving out. Oh, I think it's time to go. I usually finish these things off with last words for the people. Patrick Lawrence, it could be words to live by, something you heard a long time ago, a mantra, or just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Patrick Lawrence, give the last words for the people. Yep, help me bring back the old style of music. That's what I that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do. I know there's a lot of other people trying to do that. I think that's what we need to do. We need to turn music backwards, you know? Turn turn the time backwards on music. Well, there you have it, party people. Patrick Lawrence. Man, my voice came out towards the end of that. Sorry about that. Woo! Uh, you know, I, I think it's that uh, that uh, winter time, that uh, the time of the season, or the season is now. Man, I couldn't imagine that, being a singer and uh, having a cold. Oh, my goodness. And you hear about that. Sometimes you got concerts, and, uh, oh, due to, due to being under the weather, we're going to have to cancel the show. What a heartbreak. What a heartbreak. But Patrick Lawrence, what a heartbreaker. Ah, that man, he's good, I tell you. He's good. Check out his bluegrass music, his country music, his combination of the two. I I can see him singing whatever song that's out there, twisting it around, changing it a little bit, putting a little Patrick Lawrence style on there. And that's the brand he is, Patrick Lawrence style, the Patrick Lawrence style. Look him up on YouTube. Look him up on Facebook and uh, find him. Follow him around. Slide into his DMs if you need a, a show or you need some tracks laid down. Watch his style. The man is good. He is so good. I appreciate it. I'm a fan. <laughs> and I appreciate him telling a little bit of his story and how he came from West Virginia and uh, how, uh, how he, he came to be the man he is today. And I, I wish him, his fiance, and all those kitty cats, <laughs> all the best as they travel around the world. <laughs> I can see that. I can see them with all these cases, cases full of cats, guitar cases and cat cases, just walking through the airports <laughs> all over the world. I can see it. It's going to happen. I'm putting it out in the universe. And uh, yeah, Ibanez, go ahead and sponsor him because he's playing your your instruments and uh I think it'd be cool if you designed a uh, uh, an instrument, a guitar, just for him with the specifications, the Patrick Lawrence style specifications. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you for uh, coming on the show. And I appreciate uh, Jill Sandibanez of, uh, uh, of uh, Nashville Entertainment Weekly uh, for setting this up last minute. I appreciate that so, so much. It was nice talking to Patrick Lawrence and uh, TJ Cates. Next movie, you put Patrick Lawrence in. He'll be your uh, your albino henchman, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 Bond villain, so to speak. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. And I want to see it on the big screen. Yeah. All right. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. Thank you so much, Patrick Lawrence, for being on the show. Now, if you, yes, I'm turning my attention to you, would like to tell your story. 
I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for me. It's KeysDan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. I'm out of here. Follow KeysDan on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of KeysDan.com. Follow Radio What on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of RadioWhat.com. The music you want is on. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan email info at radiowhat.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keysdan enterprises incorporated at keysdan.com thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some great Great quotes common sense is not so common voltaire the music you want radio what's dot com.